0: Welcome to the Diabetes Canada Healthcare Huddle, a podcast that invites healthcare professionals to listen in on the discussion as we explore a diabetes-related topic. Each episode, we will present a case study, then have a conversation with an expert about the clinical challenge. Finally, we will revisit the case and see how we can apply our new knowledge and tools. This podcast is brought to you by Walmart Canada and Novo Nordisk Canada. My name is Dr. Sarah Stafford. I'm an endocrinologist in Surrey, BC, and I'm joined by my colleague, Gail McNeil, who's a diabetes educator and clinical nurse specialist from Toronto. So today we are very fortunate to be joined by Rosalie Lung. She is a registered dietitian and certified diabetes educator. She grew up in Hong Kong, China and received her dietetics education at UBC and Langara College. She currently works at Vancouver Coastal Health Primary Care Network. She is also a volunteer for Diabetes Canada on the Chinese Advisory Committee in Vancouver. Welcome, Rosalie. Hi everyone,
1: thanks for having me here, it's my pleasure.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. And in our cultural competency series today, we wanted to focus in on the Chinese community. So we've engaged Rosalie to give us her insights in how she helps healthcare providers to connect more effectively with individuals of Chinese background. Rosalie, just thinking on a really broad level to begin with, what are your thoughts on how the healthcare community and diabetes educators and healthcare providers can try to connect more effectively with their patients of Chinese background?
1: With my work, I see lots of um, Chinese in Vancouver, and then I find that lots of time is not the language barrier. They speak English, but they still would like to have a uh, to see if commissions are. Uh, uh, with a Chinese background so that to know about their uh, food culture uh, more um, or their, their culture better. Um, so I would like to use this uh, channel to share with you all about the uh, Chinese culture, some of the tips. So whenever you have a Chinese uh, client that you can uh, understand their background, where they are coming from, and, and build a good report with them.
0: That's wonderful. Thank you. And I think, you know, food is so fundamental to culture and family and health. And so I think really understanding how people eat and how they share and cook food is really important to providing connection and good health care. So why don't you start us off? What are the some of the common um, nutritional problems or challenges we might see in people with Chinese background? And how can we engage with that?
1: Uh, Sure. And And Sarah, you're right, family is a big part. And then when we talk about health or nutrition, uh, the family involvement uh, is always the thing that we shouldn't miss. For example, we'll see, are they left uh, with their grandparents? Uh, Who are their caregivers? Uh, Who who do the meal prepping for them? So these are things that we have to remember. And it's always good to include them uh, with the patient's consent uh, to have the, conversation together uh, so that um, the whole family can be involved. Uh, as a dietitian, I always say healthy eating is always like a family activity, from grocery shopping, from meal prepping. Uh, so have the whole family involved uh, will be it will be a, will be good for long term. And healthy eating is good for everyone, even like for diabetes diets actually is is good for the general public. So have the whole family involved is is the key.
0: Absolutely, and I also think we need to recognize that many times, especially with diabetes, we see multiple family members who have diabetes. We may see a grandparent, a parent, maybe a mom with gestational diabetes, right? These are common uh, patterns in the family. And so instilling this healthy um, behaviors and healthy knowledge uh, for food, shopping and preparation, I think really benefits the family as a whole.
1: Absolutely. Today, let me just uh, share with you all some common nutrition problems among Chinese. Uh, so that give you some tips when you have uh, Chinese uh, clients that you can um, uh, be prepared about their, their eating habits and what are the common nutrition concerns. So let me start with like breakfast. It's quite common that people skip breakfast. Maybe this is not like Chinese specific, but on uh. A lot of time, people try to skip breakfast thinking that, oh, eating less will help with my diabetes control. Eating less will help with my weight control. However, we have to explain to them eat, eating regular meals is very important to maintain the blood sugar level. And other common things uh, for breakfast choices are having congee uh, at breakfast. So congee is well-cooked rice. So it increases our sugar very fast. So I will incorporate the balanced food plate idea and then to um, recommend people that when you have your congee, you still need to have half of your bowl of vegetables, have a side dish or add a shattered lettuce into your congee Um, with the congee base, how to make it higher uh, fiber and then uh, lower glycemic index. I may suggest people to add some oatmeal into the congee add corn or sweet potatoes to increase the fiber content and also protein. A lot of time people will um, f- forget about having protein at breakfast. They may have plain congee, uh, toast with coffee or just oatmeal cooked with water. So lots of time they miss the protein. So I would say, why don't you add some eggs or nuts um, or peanut butter to, to include in your, in, your, in your breakfast so that you maintain your blood sugar level. So these are some common breakfast tips that um, we can keep in mind.
0: I think that's great because often I will be asked by people, "What what should I eat? Right, and they want some specific suggestions. Here's three or four different breakfasts that we recommend. So it's really helpful. You've given some specific suggestions on what to do that's kind of consistent with cultural practice, um, but improves the overall health and balance of that meal. Uh, so it sounds like breakfast is is the first challenge of the day. Uh, what happens when we move on to lunch? For lunch,
1: it's very common people have leftover. When I ask their diet history, oh, I would just have leftover. <laughs> so this is something that uh, you always hear. And then also not, another thing is they always have like, mainly carp for lunch. They may just cook a noodles, uh, some dumplings or steamed buns for, for lunch. and then again, they, they didn't have vegetables and protein um, in, incorporate into the lunch to keep their blood sugar level in a good level, in, a, in a good range. Um, So we we need to throw in ideas is always like focus on vegetables and maybe at at dinner time, when you prepare dinner, wash more vegetables and then just put it on the counter. So the next day you always have vegetables available available to put into your lunch. Again, protein. So uh, when they have steamed buns, um, recommend using whole wheat flour, add some shredded vegetables into the buns. Um, and also uh, having proteins like beans or, or chicken or fish um, to have a, a balanced meal is always a challenge for people um, having lunch. They try to just make it quick and easy. Oh, I would just grab whatever left over from last night and then forgot about the key of having a balanced meal.
0: So it sounds like if leftovers from dinner are a key part of lunch, then really focusing on, on making sure that dinner is healthy might also help us with lunch the next day. So how can we help to support choices with dinner time?
1: Interestingly, usually dinner is usually well-balanced. People will have rice, they will have vegetables, they will have meat. Um, the suggestion will be cook more, put more at dinner so that you will have it for the next day. And also it's common for Chinese having chicken, pork, um, tofu occasionally. So I always uh, introduce or encourage people to have fish more often. And then for beans and lentils, it's something not common in Chinese culture. Uh, so this is something that we have to start them thinking about. Maybe add some beans and lentils. Um, I always suggest just use chickpeas as your chicken. Uh, Use kidney beans as your ground beef. So when you cook dishes with chicken or ground beef, then you can add some beans into it. Um, Also give them some uh, good websites, for example, lentils.ca or pulses.org. Those, they have good beans and lentils recipes. And then just let people to explore, to start thinking about adding beans and lentils uh, because these um, pulses are not common in, uh, in Chinese cooking.
0: So thank you for those tips, and especially the really specific suggestions around the beans and lentils and websites. You know, when I'm talking to my patients of Chinese background, we often see that white rice is a staple of their diet. And I'll often make the suggestion to try to switch to brown rice for so it has higher fiber and less effect on sugars, but they have a quite a challenge with making that change. Uh, How do you think we address this, Rosalie?
1: You're right. It's very challenged because of the the texture, the enjoyment of having white rice. It's something that many of my clients cannot give up. So I will tell them in the perfect world is choose a low glycemic index rice, like brown rice or quinoa uh, or red rice. If people can try, then I will just try to mix it. Mix half and half so that let your palate or family's palate to get used to the grains. Um, And if people really like, they cannot give up white rice, then I would say, um, it's okay to keep your white rice at dinner time, but at breakfast and lunch, try to pick the grains is lower in glycemic index so that you can balance out. Um, If if you can 100% of low glycemic index food throughout the day, that's perfect, that's wonderful. But in the real life, we need to have food enjoyment. That's very important. It's part of our healthy eating, it's our food culture, it's food enjoyment. So if people insist having white rice at dinner, I will say focus on breakfast and lunch. Pick something, is better choices, and also have um, vegetables, higher fiber uh, dishes, and also portion control. So we can like just discuss or negotiate. And how to maintain a good diet and also include a cultural food.
0: That's great. And I think we really have to think about being realistic, um, understanding food, enjoyment. I think that's so important, right? If you're not enjoying what you're eating and it takes away a big source of pleasure um, and compromise, right? Finding a solution that works for the individual. Uh, so we've kind of covered the whole day. What, what happens in the evenings? What, around, what about evening snacking and activity? What happens there?
1: I will start off from snacking. It's not very common for Chinese have evening snackings on potato chips or on ice cream. Um, lots of times they will have a fruit after dinner, which is I say, it's okay, I encourage that. And then for people who really like snackings on other um, higher fats, higher sugar uh, food items, then I will just explain to them, fruits is your best bet because it's high in fiber, it gives you the sweetness and give you uh, vitamin C and hydration. Um, so I always promote having a fruit for as evening snacks. Uh, maybe a glass of soy milk because uh, drinking milk is not common. Um, so I may um, encourage people to have calcium fortified soy milk at evening, in the evening so that they can include some calcium into their diet. Um, And then another common thing is uh, inactivity after dinner. Lots of time, um, they will just sit down and watch TV. So we have to mention about stay active. You don't need to engage into a sport, but you need to uh, reduce your seating time. Just stand up, march in front of your TV. If you have exercise equipment at home, try to move it to your living room in front of the TV so that you can just uh, just stay active and then um, to bring down your blood sugar after dinner. So these are the uh, common um, concerns that I see with the Chinese community.
0: That's great. While we're on the topic of activity, any comments there on you know, recommendations or challenges that people of Chinese background have with incorporating activity, especially in light of you know, roles in the family, maybe looking after grandchildren, how does that interact?
1: A lot of Chinese, they like walking and then they walk within the neighborhood. Um, so I always explain to them the intensity is also important. It's nice that you're going out instead of sit down at home, but also remember the intensity is very important. The moderate to vigorous, uh, you have to walk like you are going to catch a bus, walk a little bit faster after some warm up as tolerated. Uh, if they look after grandchildren, if they're at an age that, at an age that they can go to a playground, then I say just go out with them, kick some balls, and not looking at your phone all the time. Just find ways that you are you enjoy and then to engage to just reduce the sitting time. Uh, sometimes I will ask them, "What did you do? Uh, when you were young, did you do any sports?" So I may just bring back some memories that they they were en- they, they engaged when they were younger so that they can pick up some of uh, some activity like swimming or playing basketball. So just um, help them to incorporate those activities into their daily lives.
0: That's great. Thank you so much, Rosalie. Are there any other tips that you'd like us to know about as we wrap up this conversation?
1: Maybe I would just wrap up with some interesting practice people use to try to lower their blood sugar. I don't know, have you heard about okra? People have a remedy: is uh, soak the okra in a glass of water overnight and then drink it in the morning can help reduce your blood sugar. And then I have clients told me, I tried it, but it didn't work. And then some people still want to try it. Then I will just um, discuss with them. Is, does, does this practice do any harm with your blood sugar? Okra is a very good, it's a vegetable, it's high in um, sticky fiber. If you do this uh, okra soaked in water overnight, it shouldn't do any harm for your blood sugar and you can try it. But if you have another remedy is having um, pumpkin, pumpkin soup all the time because pumpkin is healthy and drinking pumpkin soup may help with your blood sugar. Then you know that pumpkin is a root vegetable if you have it too often. In a big amount, this will do adverse effects for your blood sugar. So this is some remedies that Chinese population have um, to try to reduce the blood
0: sugar level. Thank you so much, Rosalie. These were some really wonderful insights into the Chinese community practices with respect to food. And I really loved your practical tips. Gail, what from this conversation do you think you can take back to the clinic next week?
2: Thank you, Rosalie. That was really informative. And I feel in some ways you've reinforced that what we are doing has along the right uh, course, but also I feel you've given me permission. I never thought of introducing oatmeal at breakfast time because I thought that's just something that was never in the culture. But that, and you're also talking about introducing the uh, lentils and things. I think you've given me permission to go and try to change or help people move along with the diet and make it more balanced. And I always see absolutely at lunch time is always the leftovers so I think your point about making more the night before and putting the vegetables in there is is really a great that's a great uh, suggestion along the way so you've given me the permission I think to go ahead and try to introduce some new ideas uh into the meal plan also the sedentary aspect is is a big one and I, I agree with you. I think um, I've always said a walking is great, but maybe that idea you have to walk just a little bit faster. So thank you for those tips. They were really helpful, Rosalie. Really appreciate it from the educator viewpoint.
0: <laughs> All right, wonderful. Thank you so much to Rosalie and Gail for joining us today in our cultural competency series where we discussed the Chinese community and how we can help better engage and connect with members of this community. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. If you have questions about the episode or about becoming a member of the Diabetes Canada professional section, please email professional.membership at diabetes.ca. Special thanks to Adam Humphreys for providing the music for today's podcast.